0: Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. But what does it say about Jesus, the Savior of the world, sinless, perfect life, that he was baptized in John's baptism of repentance? It's an interesting question. And so um, I I want us to begin to think about that. So go to John, or sorry, Mark chapter 1, John's next week. Mark chapter 1, verse 4, and we'll go through verse 11. It says, oh, I'm actually starting in verse 1. Sorry, guys, verse 1. Hopefully we got that on the screen. It's all good. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is Mark. Mark is the shortest Gospel that we have of the four, and it's the fastest. I mean, the, immediately, the word immediately appears in the Gospel of Mark 40 times. Um, he, is, he is all about getting to it. Now, what he doesn't tell you is all the things Jesus said. He tells you all the things Jesus did. Mark is as obsessed with the things Jesus did on the earth as the things he said. So you don't see as much. You see most of it, but you don't see it in the same way as you would see it in maybe Matthew or Luke, and John's obviously a little bit different from the other three, but so Mark is here, and he's going, okay, I'm going to hit this really hard, really fast, and he's usually, most often, most people believe he's doing it through the lens of Peter, Uh, so so Mark was not one who bought John Mark Homer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He is not one who says you should slow down. He's trying to get it all in very quickly. He's trying to make sure your daily Bible readings are quicker, uh, not slower, and so he is trying to give you this idea of of, a minimum picture of discourse and maximum picture of deed, what he did on the earth. All right, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet says, look, I am sending my messenger, this is the prophetic word from Isaiah, ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Now that word wilderness, we mentioned this in our early last year. We talked about withdrawal and return. That wilderness is this idea that we would step away from from the earth, step away from the systems of this world, and, and be able to speak to what's happening in the world. In fact, most prophets of the Old Testament would not live in the city limits. They would not live with the people. They would actually live in their own tent off Along, way out in the way so that they could come back into it and speak to it. Now remember, every time you withdraw, at least we see in the Gospels or in the, in the Bible, that every time you withdraw, you are meant to return. So this is not an idea that you should just escape. It is this idea that you should go and be able to come back into it and see it differently. There's this uh, words game that I use, have play on my phone on a regular basis. probably a little bit too much, and it's just one of those like uh, unscramble games. So you got six letters. You're trying to make as many words as possible. I just cheat and use Safari, but regardless, um, I, I, you, you, you do this game, and what happens is when I can't see the words, I'll put it away for a while, and then I'll come back to it like two hours later, uh, maybe two minutes later, but it's, it's, I, when I do well, it's later, and, uh, and I'll come back to it, and all of a sudden, these words that I didn't see before are now visible. It's interesting how when we step away from a thing, uh, when we come back to the thing, we see it differently than we did when we were in it originally. And so there's something about being in the wilderness. The prophets usually sat in the wilderness. Jesus often withdrew. We know that in the Gospels. It actually says exactly that. He often withdrew to the wilderness. And then he would come back and make really important, big decisions. So for us as the church, especially with what went on this week and with what has gone on over the last 18 months, for us as the church to be able to speak to a scenario or situation, we must be willing first to remove ourselves from it. We have to be willing to be wilderness people every once in a while. We have to be willing to be people who are separated from the things that make us feel comfortable, the things that we are used to, the things that that this world decides makes us who we are, and be able to come back back to it with a different vision of what it is if the church has gotten too comfortable being um uh city people in the city limits always in the action always in the stuff always worrying about what's going on we have to be willing even in our business decisions even in our family decisions even in all that we have to be willing to be wilderness people so that we can come back and you might come back from the wilderness looking a little bit wilderness you might come back looking like scott tresky with a beard, oh, I'm just joking. If it, I wish I could do that. I shaved my beard this morning, and I didn't have to clean it up because it wasn't that much. And uh, we, we, we have to be willing to step away from where we are to be able to speak to it. So, so I'm watching what's happened this week, and, and I'm looking at it and going, oh, my gosh. No, it's not just what happened this week that's wrong. There, there's so many things we need to be able to speak to, but the only way we're going to be able to speak to it is if we haven't pledged allegiance to one side or the other if we haven't somehow said that this is the kingdom I live and this is the kingdom. We have to be able to speak to it. And the only way you will be able, the Bible, let me just be very clear with you. Christians should be some of the people most comfortable with critique. Because if you read the Bible, what you find is God sent prophets not to condemn the world, but to speak to his own people and say, what are you doing? The church should be able to withstand someone saying something to them like, hey, straighten up. Now, I know there are people who take that too far, and they walk in, and I am the prophet. If someone calls themselves the prophet, just walk away quickly. A prophet speaks. That's what he does. That's what he does. He doesn't doesn't title themselves. He speaks. So, anyways... We have to be wilderness people. Verse 4, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance. Preaching a baptism, hear this, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, again, John would have been speaking to a culture, to a people, to a, to a, a group. He's, he's not just saying, Scott, you need to repent. He's saying, Israel, you need to repent. He's saying, Jewish people, you need to repent for what you have trusted the world. Hey, Rome, you also need to repent for the way. Hey, blue, you need to repent. Hey, red, you need to repent. Hey, you, we all need to repent for the things we bought into, the things we have elevated. So he's speaking to this corporate group of people saying, hey, step out of what you think makes the world go round. They'll begin to live a little bit differently. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were flocking to him. Oh, man, I, I just, I do believe this. I, and I, we believe this even at the beginning of what started happening with COVID in March. I absolutely believe that there is a, a, an opportunity for people to begin to flee uh, the city limits, figuratively, symbolically, okay? To, to get away from what we thought was going to make everything right, and 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 flock to the locust-eating animal-wearing Scott. No, John the Baptist. Sorry, I'm, Scott's in the front row today. He's usually back there. It's just so much easier today. Um, I love. How many of you love Scott Tresky, Rebecca Tresky? Just the most amazing people on the planet. Really, truly. And um, so I, I believe that there's there are people looking at not just our country. But looking at the world and going, there's got to be something else. Where is it? And so if the church has not been willing to be in the wilderness, there will be no one that flees the city. That the church is not willing to go to the wilderness in moments and speak about something that is foreign, then no one will flock to it because it will all sound the same. Sometimes we feel like we have to repackage Jesus. Like how somehow the Earth has never seen uprising, that the Earth has never seen unrest, the Earth has never seen difficulty challenges, riots. we've never seen it? No, no, no actually, it's kind of a kind of a running theme. It's kind of like a regular thing, but we don't live in history or future. we tend to live everything, it's, it's why people will come to you and go, my life is ruined. You mean like the next 40 years? Like it's done? Because of today? That's wild. How do you know that? The whole Judean countryside flocked to him. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Now I want I want I want to I want just to throw this at you. This is pre-Jesus. So so what are they being baptized for? This is this is before Jesus. This is is before Jesus died and rose again. This is before we're dying with Christ and rising with him again. This is is before that. This is something different, and this is interesting. It's kind of like, wait, what are they doing? And and, and water was a symbolic thing. Water held death and life, and not in the, the very real sense, but in the symbolic sense. For these people, they would have seen water just like at the Red Sea. This is where things change. This is where things happen. This is where everything is different. This is where God shows himself powerful. This is where identify with something new, because the step into the Red Sea would have been saying, I trust him and not them. They, they would have said, this is not, I'm not going to stand on dry ground. I'm going to stand on whatever this is with the walls, and I, I'm, I'm going to step into something different, a different kingdom. So these people would have as much been saying, oh, woe is me, as they would have been, they would have also been saying, and maybe more prominently been saying, I'm going to live according to a different kingdom, a different system, a different way of doing things. This is pre-Jesus. Now, then Jesus shows up. But let's get, let's, let's start, keep start in verse 6. John wore camel hair, a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Now, we always think that's wild and crazy, but uh, they, some think that that may actually not have been that abnormal and that John the Baptist probably wasn't living alone in the wilderness, but that there were a group of people, a sect of people that were living in the wilderness as well. John just became the mouthpiece. John was born just around the time Jesus was uh, to family of Mary, and so this is, this is a pretty big deal. This was purposeful. John was not on accident in this regard. He was preaching someone more powerful than I will come after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so, so John, would, have you ever wondered why John was the one Jesus chose to be baptized by? I know he's being obedient to the Father, but, but do you ever wonder why this is the guy that everyone wanted to run to? Why is the guy eating locusts and wearing animal, why, why, why? Like, if I showed up at the corner with a bag of locusts, right? Leather belt, I mean, that's redeemable. Leather belt. And animal fur on. Oh, man, I'm starting to see some pictures of this week. Anyways, uh, if I showed up, doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody would go, that guy. Yeah, definitely that guy. I want to listen to that guy. <laughs> I want to I hear what he has to say about how the world's going to go better. I want to know what that dude, I mean, because look, he's a, trend, he's a trendsetter, right? I mean, trendsetters always do look a little bit weird. I mean, my guess is this outfit has actually shown up on some runways in the last few years because that stuff is crazy. But nobody went and go, I want to know what they have to say about the future of the earth. But why? Why? Well, here's why. Because in our hearts is always and will always be the echo of a voice we long to hear and the picture of an earth we desire to see. And so when John the Baptist starts shouting and screaming, there's an echo. When John the Baptist starts telling them there's a better way, there's a picture. And it wasn't put there by John. It was put there by God. All of us think the earth could do better. That's why even when the earth does better, we still think it could do better. Because our ideal, and even those who do not follow Jesus, the ideal is still heaven. Each side of this argument over the last week believes they have a better way to get to heaven than the other side. Each side believes if we could just get rid of all those people, utopia. As though they don't fight with their friends. As if they don't disagree about where they should go to eat and where they should live and who's the best. And I mean, you did see the primaries of each race, right? We, we don't even like what our friends like, but we like it more than what we think our enemies like. We aren't all that smart. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And so John the Baptist is saying there's a different thing here, ready, available to you. Come. There's the other reason they're listening to John the Baptist. Because he was dressed unlike anybody else. Because he did not make what everybody else thought was success the, the definition of success for him. Because he was decided that I'm not going to be that. There's a lot of people who say separate yourself from the world and then jump into the latest thing and live in the latest place and have the latest things and living pretty well and people go I don't know if I can listen why because they said to not do that but they're doing that I don't know how to handle that I'm gonna let you all decide what I'm talking about but we all and John the Baptist had so removed himself from it that when he spoke about something new they believed he actually had something new. And the third reason is because he pointed to Jesus. The third reason is because he didn't point to himself. He actually said, I can't even, I can't even, like, wash his feet. I can't even tie his sandal. I can't even be, a like, it is about him. And that's why the next part of this story is so amazing. In those days, when everybody's flocking to John, when everybody's showing up, everybody's Getting there and going, I want something new. I want something different. Verse 9, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. Now, I want you to understand something. This verse, and I, are y'all enjoying the Bible study we're doing right now? We're doing a little Bible study. Okay. Um, This is the Bible and it's beautiful. But everything about the Bible is read through the lens of Jesus. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. Read the Bible through Jesus. Okay. All right. So, At this time, Jesus, common name. Nothing special about that name. I know we think it is because of obviously kind of he's Jesus. Uh, But then at the time, not super special, just a just a name, Jesus. Came from Nazareth. Not really much. You'll find out next week that there's one guy who says, What good could come from Nazareth? Well, something. In Galilee, which was not Oklahoma, it was not the buckle of the Bible belt. Galilee was irreligious, unreligious, not religious, and was baptized into the baptism of repentance by John, the dude who eats locusts. In the River Jordan, which was a river that the religious of the day had had declassified, maybe, had said it was too dirty, too ugly, too gross for anyone to do anything religious with. It is the Trinity River. (laughs) So I want you to hear me again. Jesus, a common name, from Nazareth, not much of a city, in Galilee, very unreligious, baptized by John, who eats locusts, in the Jordan, which is gross. If you think Jesus is stuck up, if you think Jesus is holier than thou, If you think Jesus is too good for you, you need to read Mark chapter 1, verse 9, all the time. Because Jesus, just in this one little sentence, tells us everything we need to know about who he is and what his kingdom looks like. It's from uncommon, insignificant places. It's for those who feel like their life is too messed up, too dirty, too ugly. And I don't know how to work the locust part into that, but it's for everybody. And Jesus shows up and says, I'm, I'm, you ever hear people go, I'm at the bottom. I can't go anywhere else but here, up but here. There you go. Jesus starts at the very bottom. He doesn't get baptized in a temple from the highest religious leader of the day. He doesn't do any of that. In fact, he just shows up. He didn't have any disciples yet. He's lived 30 years on this earth. He shows up at the river and goes, hey, it's me. Now, here's what's also really wild. Don't you think Jesus could have, just maybe, possibly, shown up and said, I've got it from here, John. Thanks for what you're doing. Don't you think Jesus could have shown up and go, John, you know that thing you just said about the one that you're not worthy to tie the shoes? Yeah, that's me, so back off. Hey, John, you know the one who said I was going to baptize with fire? Yeah, that's me. I'm that person. You, got, you did good, man. Way to go. I'm out. No, Jesus walks up to John and says, I want you to baptize me. I want you to honestly ask this question. Why in the world was the sinless, perfect Savior of the world identifying with the baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins? This is when Jesus becomes Christ. This is Jesus showing you, foreshadowing, this is who I am. I came to die. I came to give my life. This is how we see Jesus. Being baptized into a baptism he didn't need because he wanted to identify with the people who needed it most. He didn't keep one Iota of superiority. He showed up and said, I'm going to fully and completely identify with you. That's who Jesus is. Jesus shows us what our movement is all about. Jesus, as David Guzik says, Jesus was baptized to be identified with sinful man, but he was also baptized to be identified to sinful men. John was calling people to turn away from corruption and be restored to a new life of faithful obedience to God. And Jesus responded to that call by getting baptized by John in the Jordan River. Jesus wanted to, fully, wanted to be fully immersed and identified in the values of the kingdom of God that John was preaching. So let me give you three things Jesus is doing in this moment. And I'm not a three things preacher, so bonus. Number one, and it is truly this, he is wanting to identify with the people that he's here to save. He is wanting to identify with all of us. He, why did he get on the cross? Not because he needed to, not because he had to, but because he loved the people who it represented and who it stood for. That's why he looks to the person on his left and says, today you will be with me in paradise. He is not looking for those of us who think we are righteous. In fact, I would say what we are dealing with in our country is a very terrible bout of self-righteousness we are all deciding which cause is more righteous that allows us to justify the things we do in defense of it. I'm allowed to be ugly when it's for this, because this is better than yours. This is more righteous than yours. At the end of time, they will be righteous in their own eyes. So what should the earth speak to? They should sound like John the Baptist. Yeah, there's one. Who brings into the earth something different. And that one didn't hold righteousness as something to lord over us. In fact, he said, oh, I'm going to identify with the unrighteousness, with this, the sin. I'm going to identify with those who need my righteousness, my wholeness the most. Number two, he came to endorse. He bat- got baptized to endorse the message that John was preaching. He was trying to tell people, yes, this is why I came. I came to bring a new kingdom and a new order. I came to bring a different system and a different way of doing life. I came so that heaven could be what inhabits earth. I came to show up and endorse the thing you've been hearing from John. Because John is not, again, not trying to condemn the world. He is trying to bring it back home like the prodigal son he is trying to bring it back into the roof it was built to live under he's trying to say to people hey get out of what you think makes this world go round get out of that thing and see what is really there for you live according to a different thing different value system different way of doing life and the third is to confirm the third is to confirm who he was Because what we see happen after he's baptized is incredibly significant. It is one of the the strongest pictures of the Trinity in action. And in fact, it echoes of Genesis 1 and 2 when we see the Spirit hovering, much like the dove hovers over Jesus. We see the, the God speaking, and we see the Word in action on the earth. And so we, that's why you see John 1 speak about the Word, because God, Jesus is the Word, the living Word of God. Endorse it, identify with it, and confirm it. This is Jesus reminding us. Remember, Jesus is a model for us. Jesus is a model for who we are and how we should live. He is a pattern that we can repeat. Nothing Jesus does is done only that he would do it. Jesus gives us a pattern and a way of doing life. So he tells us to be baptized. He tells us to to look at what he does here and to realize that before Jesus started his ministry, before Jesus really stepped into his calling, before Jesus really began to do what he had been put on this earth to do, before he had done that, he gave himself fully to the mission, gave himself fully to the mission to people. Gave himself fully to the thing God had done. He gave himself fully to it. He showed in this moment that this is what I'm here for. And for many of us to step into our calling, to step into our ministry, to step into, and no ministry does not mean pulpit and rows. Ministry means whatever God has put in your heart for your street. Ministry. The serving of people. And, and before we step into that fully, we must die fully. For all of us, we are all on the journey to the cross. Christ is anointed on the cross. Christ's mission is the cross. Yes, resurrection, but it's the cross. The cross is where we die to whatever. And maybe January 10th, 2021, could be a good Sunday to say, you know what? I'm done with all that. I'm I'm flocking... To the countryside. I'm going to find the dude with the locusts. I'm going to give myself fully and completely to what God desires for his people. And this beautiful picture here, verse 10, says, As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open. Some debate some of this, not in that it happened, but in that who it happened for. We, we tend to think because we just think Jesus is just so awesome, right? That this was for everybody else. This is really for Jesus. Jesus knew God loved him. But this is for everybody else. Everybody else needed to see the, the dove descending on Jesus to confirm that he is the Son of God. And that very well might be it. But if you notice the wording of this, it says that Jesus saw. It says that he saw it. Jesus. Now, maybe the other people saw it too. But we know for sure that what Mark is saying here is that Jesus saw it. Jesus saw the sky split open, and God's Spirit, looking like a dove, come down on him. This is an account of what Jesus experienced, of what the Father said over Jesus, what a Father said over his Son. And he looked at his Son, and he said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved Son. See, Mark says it. Only Christian Standard Bible says it in a personal way. You are my beloved son. I take delight in you. Now I want you to, I want to remind you, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Jesus hadn't done a thing. Hadn't healed a sickness. Hadn't preached a sermon. Hadn't done anything. The only thing he had done at this point was identify with what he was there to identify with. That's all he'd done. God is so pleased with you. When we identify with our humanity, when we identify with our calling, when we identify with who we are, when we identify with our struggles and our failures and difficulties, but also, more importantly, what God has created us to be, man, God doesn't need you to perfect uh, perfect it. God doesn't need you to do it perfectly. He just needs you to step into it. And he is pleased with you. He so deeply loves you. God never wants you to work from a place of strife or earning. He wants you to work from a place of rest and approval. He wants you to understand that you will not do it perfectly like Jesus. Jesus is the ideal, okay? The Bible is not a book of trying to tell you you should have been perfect. He's just trying to tell you that, hey, there is a perfect way to do it, and we all haven't gotten there yet, and Jesus came up to make sure the gap is filled. (laughs) There's something about what God wants to do in his people when we begin to identify with Jesus the way he identified with us. In the same way that Genesis has a dove hovering, this dove comes down upon Jesus, representing the Holy Spirit, Jesus on mission, and God pleased. And you and I, in this moment, my goodness, in this moment especially, of course, you and I have the opportunity to be the people who... Take a moment in the wilderness and begin to say, hey, you got questions? You're wondering how this is all going to turn out? You're wondering how this is all going to work? I got something for you. And it's not to lord it over people, not to somehow submit people to our way of looking at things, but but to identify fully and completely the way Jesus did with those who need to hear it most. How do we see Jesus? Well, we see Jesus fully identifying with us. How do we see Jesus? We see Jesus endorsing the message of John, which is to say, come out from all the stuff that makes you think you are who you are. Come out from all the stuff that, think, that the world thinks is everything. The world thinks it makes everything. The world thinks it holds all the keys. And Come out from all that. Get away from all that. Repent from thinking that that somehow is going to fix all the problems. Step out from that. And then when we do that, we step out of that and we go, God, I trust you. He goes, I know, and I love that. I'm so pleased with you. I so love you. I, I'm so happy. I, I'm so thankful. I, I love you. So I am so well pleased with you because I made you, because I shaped you. What do we see about Jesus in his baptism? That he came so fully and completely for you and I. And now we can see Jesus really. Really? now we can see Jesus truly, the one from Nazareth in Galilee being baptized by the dude with locusts in the river that's gross. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you, Jesus, that you were not too good for us. But in fact, in fact, you were willing to come to our level. You were willing to show up in our place. You did not think of yourself so highly that you would not show up in our place. So God, I pray that everyone in this room knows you are so pleased with them. You love them. You're so for them. And Jesus, you are so ready for us to fully identify with you because you are fully identified with us, completely. You didn't didn't have to be baptized. You didn't have to go to the cross. But you did, because the people you love and the joy set before you. But let us be the church that steps out from the kingdoms of this earth, keeps our eyes upon Jesus, puts our eyes upon things that are lovely and pure and righteous, Puts our eyes upon things that are worthy of praise. Puts our eyes on things that are life and hope, and joy and faith. Puts our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our trust and belief and faith. God, I pray that today, right now, we would honor you and trust you. Thank you so much. Today, right now, I think there's people watching online. There's people in this room who are making that decision to say, I am with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. Because I've heard today, I never knew it, but he was so fully with me. And he is with me. The Holy Spirit, you are speaking. I want to give you just 30 seconds. And uh, you may be new to this, but I just want you to ask God. Hey God, what do you want to speak? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to make sure that I walk away from today with? What do you want me to put into action? What do you want me to fully trust? Holy Spirit, speak now. Hover over what has not yet been made. And empower me to see it come.